Hey, and welcome to the Vintage Church at Buffalo podcast. Here you'll find a teaching for your life from God's Word by Pastor Wes Aram. So, let's get to it. Thank you so much for being here, and we're going to get into what God has for us. We're in a, a series called Pray Now. And uh, I've written up some scriptures here. We're going to go, wow, we're going to go through all those. We will. And don't worry, we're only going to be here till 1030 tonight. But uh, we will get through these things. Now we're going to burn through them. Uh, but man, just want uh, you to see uh, how there is a thread through the whole Bible uh, of continuity that is consistent, which is pretty, pretty exciting stuff. So uh, let's ask God to speak to us. This is our habit. This is what we do. This is our practice. You don't need to hear from me. You need to hear from God. He's the one who made you, created you, loves you. Put you right here right now because he wants to speak to you. And I believe that. Based on Acts 17, he's got a word for you tonight. That is why he brought you here. So uh, just uh, met a new friend, Brian, right? Brian, is it Brian? Brian, yeah. Brian all right. Just, uh, Brian just showed up, man. I'm, I'm sorry, man. I'm totally putting you on the spot. Uh, I don't, don't mean to do that. Um, but uh, Brian just heard about us 30 minutes ago. And uh, he's like, hey, I'm going to show up. So yeah, yeah, man. Come on. Right on. So. We're just a family. We're just hanging out, and uh, good to be here. Let's go to the Lord. Let's ask Him to speak to us. Go and invite you to bow your heads, close your eyes, and ask God to speak to you tonight. Just quietly, just ask Him to speak to you, man. And then if you would, please pray for me that God would help me to communicate His truth accurately. Thank you. God, again, we're humbled and grateful to be here. Now, Lord, by your Spirit, open our eyes. Give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts and lives that will respond to what you have for us tonight, God. For the one that needs encouragement, I pray that you just cover them up with, with encouragement and hope. For those of us who need correction, those of us you know, who need instruction, Lord, you know what we need. I'm so grateful that you do. Speak to us. May we hear. May we respond for your glory. In your name we praise things, Christ. Amen. All right, grab your Bibles, open to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, uh, the hard copy you brought with you or on your electronic device or there's a Bible in the pew holder in front of you. But I want you to see it in front of you. Matthew is the first book of the New Testament and uh, we're going to be in Matthew 6. So as you're finding that, uh, our series is Pray Now. It's what we, we started a few weeks ago. And uh, our theme verse is 1 Thessalonians 5.17, one of the simplest verses you can memorize. It's pray continually. Or pray uh, without ceasing. So it's two or three words depending on your version. So that's where we're at because God wants us to make prayer a habit, a priority, as well as a lifestyle in those who claim Him uh, as their Lord and Savior. That's why we printed together these, uh, these little bracelets called Pray Now. And so if you didn't get one, we, have, we still have some on, on the way out. Please feel free to pick one up and just put it on. It's just a way for us to, to remind ourselves that, hey, pray now. That's a good idea. When should I pray? Pray now. Oh, that's a good time. That's a good thing to do. Right now, I'm going to pray now. So that's why we have that. And it's the name of the series and just a way to help us. And again, if you get used to it on one hand, put it on the other hand or use it as a brooch or a headband, whatever you want to do that, that helps you uh, remember uh, about prayer. We've learned so far in this series that prayer is to be a priority. God wants it to be a priority for his people. Second thing we learned is that our prayers matter. They actually make a difference. Some people say, why, why should I pray? Because God's going to do what he's going to do anyway. And we saw, and by the way, all of our messages are online. They're in podcast form, also on YouTube. And uh, www.vcb.church uh, is the platform where you can go and connect to all those things. But we learned how God weaves his sovereignty together with our prayers 
so that they make a difference. God uses our prayers as part of his plan to accomplish his purpose on this planet. All right. So we learned that. And we learned the last time we were together on this subject in Matthew 6, Jesus taught us how not to pray. There's some things he doesn't want us to pray uh, in terms of how we go about it. And so he says, don't pray like this. Don't do that. Don't pray like that. Now, tonight, we're going to dive into what Jesus does say in terms of how he wants us to pray. Remember, in Luke, it's recorded that his disciples asked him, Lord, teach us to pray. It's the only thing they ever asked Jesus to teach them. They didn't say, hey, Lord, teach us to speak like you do or to do amazing miracles like you do. Teach us to pray. And so can you imagine them leaning in when Jesus with a smile on his face, I'm sure, just launched into this is how you're supposed to pray, man. Because they knew they were about to hear something awesome. It's recorded for us not only in the book of Luke, but also here in the book of Matthew, which we're, where we're going to find ourselves right now. Verse 9, chapter 6, Jesus is speaking. He says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. How many of you have ever heard that scripture before? Yes. What do we know it as? Yeah, there you go. The Lord's Prayer. That's right. That's how we've... And here's the problem with that, is we have heard it so often and we have quoted it and we have done it in church and at funerals and public platforms and places. We have lost the absolute explosive power of what Jesus is communicating here. And so my prayer for me and for you, for all of us together, is as we walk through this line by line, which is what we're going to do over the next several weeks, is that God would open our hearts anew to what Jesus was teaching his disciples because it was unbelievably groundbreaking. All right, so let's start right there. Verse 9, this then is how you should pray, Jesus said. Our Father, let's stop right there. Our Father. It's hard for, for us to understand how absolutely radical that was. See, because up until that point, God was seen as the covenant God, Yahweh. He was seen as other, holy, you know, almighty, but distant, far off. And Jesus is saying, no, I want you to call him Father. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, if you are a believer, this is how you approach God. Jesus was saying, listen, if you want to connect with God like I connect with God, you want to pray right, then this is how you do it. You come to God relationally. And not just any relational uh, way. You come to him based on that you are his beloved son or his beloved daughter. He is your father that deeply, passionately loves you. Now, again, this is for those of us who have uh, invited Christ into our lives. See, if you're here and you've never invited Christ into your life, then you can't call God your father. He's not your father. He's your judge. We come into this world broken. We are sinners. Romans, the book of Romans, chapter 3, verse 23, for all have sinned and come short of God's glory. All means all. That's every single one of us. God levels the playing field. No one is better than anybody else. We all have the same problem, sin. That sin is separation from God. And if nothing changes in our lives, when we step off this planet in death, we're going to be separated from God forever in a place of justice and judgment called hell, paying for our sin. Not what God wants for us, but he leaves a choice with us because any relationship that's going to be real has to be a choice. He leaves a choice with us, but he has gone to unbelievable lengths to let us know how much he loves us and how he doesn't want that for us. He wants us to be in a relationship with him. He wants us to know we're going to heaven. And so he sent Jesus Christ 
to live the perfect life we should have lived, to die on the cross. We just celebrated it last weekend, Good Friday, where he died on the cross. Three days later, rose from the grave. We celebrated on Easter. Was seen by hundreds of witnesses, ascended to the Father, sits at the right hand of the Father, and now comes to you and to me through his word, offering us salvation, offering us a relationship with God and a home in heaven called eternal life. That's what John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son to pay for our sin, my sin, your sin on the cross, so that whoever, wide open, whoever, anybody, whoever, no stipulations, whoever, believes in him, surrenders her life to him, commits her life to Jesus. I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. Jesus, rescue me. Whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have eternal life. Once that happens, you invite Christ in. Immediately he comes in. He dwells in you by his Spirit. And Jesus says, you now have the privilege of approaching the King of the universe as Father. Our Father. Don't get used to that, man. Don't get used to it. I pray that God helps me never, ever, ever to get used to it. That should consistently humble us and excite us that we can approach this king of all, which we'll get into in just a moment, as our Father who deeply loves us. Think of all the titles Jesus could have said. I want you to approach God as exalted warrior, as king of the universe. All of that is true. He could have done that, but he didn't. He says, I want you to approach him as Father. In Romans 8, uh, 15b, the letter B is for the second half of the verse, says this, The Spirit, the Holy Spirit, you received when you became a Christian, brought about your adoption to sonship, and by Him we cry, Abba, Father. That means Daddy, Papa. It is a term of intimate, personal endearment. That is our status with God as His children. God is leaning in with everything that He has towards you. Why? Because you are His beloved child if you're a Christian. There's unbelievable security there. There's, you don't have to get everything right. You can be honest. You can be raw in your emotions as you just spill it out. Because He's your Father, you are secure. And do you know He's excited about spending time with you when you come to Him in prayer? When you spend time with Him? Do you know He's excited about that? Do you know that? Hello? Is this on? I didn't know. Everybody's just like, Yes, this is, this is, that'd be good to, yeah, you know what, this past, yeah, there we go, this past weekend, um, our kids surprised us and came home, now we knew Lindsay was coming home, our daughter, but we didn't know Dylan and his girlfriend were coming home, and so Thursday night, uh, we hear a knock at the door, it was late, and I'm like, I'm looking at Connie, I'm like, who's that, you know, it's Christmas curlers, a little early, I don't know, uh, what's this, so anyway, she goes down there, all of a sudden, I hear this blood-curdling scream, and it's not just a little scream, it is a long, long, large, loud scream, and I'm like, we're under siege, we are under siege right now, and I was in my stance, man, I mean, I came down, I was ready to turn and burn, I have no idea what that means, but I was ready to do it, and I came down, and there I see my wife, hugging our son and I'm like oh my goodness and his girlfriend whom we love I'm just like this is unbelievable this is like the greatest greatest thing she was excited and I was excited to see our son Lindsay was coming home the next day because she had a, a ride situation it was kind of a challenge she didn't get home till 3 15 in the morning guess who was there to open the door for her that's right, this guy right here. Before she even reached for the door handle, I opened it up and gave her a giant hug. Why? Because I was so excited to see her. I was excited to see our kids. And you know this is true in your life. You love to spend time with the people you love. Amen. We are broken, we are flawed, and we are a dim, 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 as human beings, reflection 
of who God is. He is perfect. Can you imagine the perfect excitement and joy he has in his heart over you? I know it's hard for us to understand because we tend to evaluate uh, you know, our, our closeness to God based on either how good our circumstances are. If my circumstances are great, God loves me. If they're not great, he's probably mad at me. Or based on our behavior. Hey, if I'm, if I'm doing good today, then you know what? You know, God's glad to have me and his family on his team. Man, if I'm blowing it, he's, he's really put out with me. N- neither of those are true. They're not, it's not true. That's a false paradigm. The enemy wants you to think that. God loves you. Jesus paid for all your sin. There's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. When God puts his finger on something in your life, it's never to condemn you as a Christian. It's always to correct you because he loves you. He wants you on the right path. He's excited to be with you. Why? Because he is your father. And Jesus said, you want to start and connect with God like me? This is how you do it. You start by saying, our father. That's wild. That's a great starting point. It just keeps going. Look at the rest of it. Who aren't in heaven. Okay? Our Father in heaven. Heaven is a place of three things. Three things. There's a lot of things, but three I want to draw our attention to. First, it's a place of God's uh, revealing His position, God's power, and also His perspective. Okay? These are where some of these uh, scriptures jump in. So let me give you a couple. 1 Kings 8.27 says this, But will God really dwell on earth? The heavens, even the highest heaven, cannot contain you. How much less this temple I have built. Psalm 103.19, The Lord has established His throne in heaven, and His kingdom rules over all. God has a position of ultimate ruler. There is no higher authority in the universe than God, which means that when you go to prayer, you go to the highest authority. He doesn't have to check with anybody else. He doesn't have to get permission from anybody else. He's the one who can make things happen. How many of you have ever had this experience when you go to buy a car? First of all, how many of you ever uh, bought a used car? Anybody besides me? Okay. All right, all right, used car. I go into the dealership. I'm not very good. I don't know what I'm doing most of the time. I do all my research. I still don't know. So I go in. So I talk to this guy, and I can tell he's like, you know, he knows all the stuff, and I'm like, I'm in trouble, you know. So, but I'm talking to him, and I said, well, how about this? And he goes, well, just a second. I go back and check with my manager. I'm like, why don't you just let me go check with your manager? Why don't you just tell me I can do that? I mean, if you can't get it done, he can get it done. Why don't you just let me go to him? You know, I just, I, I want to get to the guy that can make it happen, right? <laughs> that never goes over very well. So, but here's the, th- here's the thing. God doesn't have to do that. He doesn't have to check with anybody else. So when you go to him in prayer, you are going to the ultimate authority. He is the one who can get things done. Why? Because he is the ultimate ruler. There is no higher power. There is no greater ruler. God is it. That's his position in heaven. Secondly, power. Heaven speaks to that. 2 Chronicles 20, verse 6 says this, Lord, the God of our ancestors, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in your hand, and no one can withstand you. No one can withstand you. Job 37, 23, The Almighty is beyond our reach and exalted in power. In His justice and great righteousness, He does not oppress. Isn't that great news? He's good, but He's also all-powerful. Revelation 5.13, then John is speaking, Apostle John who wrote Revelation, the inspiration of the Spirit, of course. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them saying, to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. God is all powerful. There is no one greater, 
So when you go to him in prayer, you are going to the ultimate authority and the ultimate power in the universe. Revelation 4, 1 through 8. Eight verses here. Hang with me as I read this. And here's what I want you to think. I want you to listen as I read this because this is what is going on. It's happened right now even. In, it exists right now in heaven. All right, His throne. This is a description of His throne. It says this. After this, John says, I looked and there before me was a door standing open in heaven. And the voice I heard uh, at, uh, I had heard first speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here and I will show you what my must take place after this. At once I was in the spirit and therefore before me was a throne in heaven and someone sitting on it. And the one who sat there had the appearance of jasper and ruby, a rainbow that shone like emerald and circled the throne. Surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones and seated on them were 24 elders. They were dressed in white and had crowns of gold on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning, rumblings and peals of thunder. In front of the throne, seven lamps were blazing. These are the seven spirits of God. Also in front of the throne, there was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. In the center around the throne were four living creatures, and they were covered with eyes in front and in back. The first living creature was like a lion. The second was like an ox. The third had a face like a man. The fourth was like a flying eagle. Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under its wings. Day and night, they never stopped saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. That is the throne of God. And when you pray, that is the throne you are going to. Think about that for a moment. When you spend time praying to God, like we did earlier, when we close our eyes and we consciously approach God and we talk to Him, this is the place that we are transported to in the heavenly, so to speak. This is where we go. This is the throne that we approach. It is stunning. I mean, John is just pressing the boundaries of language to try to help us grasp what he is seeing. He's trying to describe the indescribable. And this is the throne that we go to when we pray. Let me tell you why this is so, so important. Because the enemy wants you to think that your issues are bigger than God's power. The enemy wants you to believe that God is diminished and He can't handle your situation. We would probably never say that out loud. Maybe we'd think it, but that's what the enemy wants us to buy into. And that's why we have to continue to bring ourselves back to the truth of God's Word to say, this is what is real. This is what is eternal. My circumstances are temporary and they're no match for God. But the way we get postured in that way is we have to spend time in God's Word. We have to continue to bring ourselves back to read this. I mean, I need it. I need to come back. You know, because I'm looking at stuff that I'm praying for, and on the surface, it just looks too hard. I prayed a long time. It just looks too hard. And I'm like, you know, God, I know you can do it, because you can do everything, because you're God. But I mean, this is tough. You know, can, you, can I just tell you something? Easy and tough are not words in God's vocabulary. They have no meaning, because He's God. He's all-powerful. One thing is as easy as the other, Right? Because he's God. He's all-powerful. That's what it means. This is the throne we go to when we pray. Consider where you are when you pray. Heaven is a place of God that reveals his position, his power, 
and his perspective. Psalm 11.4 says this, The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord is on his heavenly throne. He observes everyone on earth. His eyes examine them. He observes everyone on earth. His eyes examine him. He knows what they're doing. He knows what every person is doing. He knows what they're all about. He knows their heart. He knows their thoughts. He knows their words. He knows their motives. He has that perspective on everybody. Revelation 1.8 says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Alpha and Omega is the beginning and the end. Everything is encapsulated inside God. I make known the end from the beginning, Isaiah 46.10. From ancient times, what is still to come, I say my purpose will stand and I will do all that I please. God has a perspective that none of us have, ever. We are making decisions all the time based on partial information. God knows everything. So when you go to him in prayer, listen, when you go to him in prayer, you're going to someone who sees what you can't. He sees what you can't. He knows what you don't know. He knows every possible choice you can make because he's outside of time. He knows every possible decision you can make. He knows every possible outcome. And he looks at you, he goes, choose this. Why? Because he has a perspective that we don't have. This is your father. This is your father. As a believer, this is my father. This is who he is. And if you'll notice, and we'll get into this next week as well, the first part of this prayer is all about adoration and worship of God. First part is all about awe, being in awe of God, being overwhelmed by who He is. That's, that's where we start. Because if we, if we don't start there, then we're not in a good place to ask things. Then our relationship with God just becomes transactional. God, do this. I need you to do this. Give me this. Thank you for that. See you next time. Right? That's not what God wants. And that's not healthy for us. We need to be overwhelmed by who God is, reminded of His greatness. Then we're going to be in the right position and posture to ask Him for things. This is who He is all the time. This is who He is all the time, consistently. This is who God is all the time. Let me close with this. One practical application of how this can work out in our lives when we understand who our Father is in heaven. Amos 5, 4-6a says this, This is what the Lord says to Israel, Seek me and live. Do not seek Bethel, do not go to Gilgal, do not journey to Beersheba. For Gilgal will surely go into exile, Bethel will be reduced to nothing. Seek the Lord and live. Amos was an Old Testament prophet. Now a prophet in the Old Testament, his job was to hear from God and to give it to the people, give the message to the people. All right. So that's what Amos was doing. And he was giving the message to the people that God wanted him to speak. And he says, hey, listen, I don't want you, God says, I don't want you to go to Bethel. I don't want you to go to Gilgal. I don't want you to journey to Beersheba. Now, why did he pick those three, those three cities? Here's why. Because those three cities represented powerful, significant moments in Israel's history. God did some amazing things. For example, just one example, at, at Gilgal, that is where God parted the waters of the Jordan for the people who just came out of the, the, uh, the wilderness to go through the Jordan. They camped at Gilgal. Then guess what? Their next, their next thing they did, they watched God knock down the walls of Jericho for them. I mean, that's just one example. Every one of those three places were significant things, awesome things that the awesome God did for his people. And God's telling his people, seek me and live. Don't go there. Here's what that can mean for you and for me today. God did some awesome things in your past. He has. This has brought you to this place. Some things you know about, 
There's a ton of things you don't. But God has done awesome things in your past. Here's what God says. Stop acting as if all the great things that I do in your life are in the past. Stop acting as that where all the stuff is. Seek me now. Seek me right here where you are, in your situation, in your circumstance, in your relationships, in your generation. Seek me now and live. God was telling the people, hey, stop looking over your shoulder as though all the great things I did for you are in the past. Yes, they happened. Yes, they should excite you and inspire you, but seek me now. Stop thinking that I did all my great works in the past and I've not got any great works in the future. It's simply not true. Because my name is not I was. My name is I am. Seek me now and live. And when we start to grasp the greatness of who God is, we will be corrected, we will be instructed, we will be inspired to pray bold prayers because it's our Father who is intimate and personal towards us. He is in heaven. He is great. He is awesome. He is mighty. He is powerful. And all of that is bent toward your good as His child. What would happen in your prayer life, and in my prayer life, if we actually believed it. What would happen? Listen, man, I, and you know I've said this to you before, and I will always say this. I never stand up here and speak about something that God hasn't already worked me over on. Otherwise, I'm just a nice tour guide who hasn't visited any place, but points, hey, you should go check that out. I mean, God has already wrecked me with some of these things. And I'm like, God, I, I, I don't often pray like that. I don't often pray like you are this God on the throne. I allow my situation, my circumstances, and my feelings and the lies of the enemy to somehow speak louder and have more authority than your word. And I don't want that. God, I want to believe this because this is true. So how about we pray like that this week? Pray like it's true because it is. Let's pray together. Yeah. Your heads bowed and your eyes closed. What did God talk to you about, man? What did he speak to you about, man? He has spoken to me about some things. He has encouraged me. He has convicted me. So I'm so grateful for his correction. But what did God talk to you about? And what are you going to do about it? Take this moment right now, just in your own heart. Just respond to God. Maybe you're here and you're just, you're struggling. God knows that. He says, come, pour it out. I'm your father. I love you. You can trust me. Whatever God talked to you about, take a moment and talk to him. Final question, heads bowed, eyes closed, no one looking around. If you're here and you do not know for sure you're going to make heaven, you can't really approach God as your father because you've never committed your life to Christ. He's not your savior. He's not your Lord. You've never invited him into your life. If you died tonight, you're not even sure you'd make heaven. Or maybe you know for sure you wouldn't. But you want that to change. Here's the great news. It can change right now. Right now. So Wes, how does that happen? You choose to believe what, what God says. Choose to believe that John 3.16 is for you. For God so loved you that he gave his only son to die on the cross for your sins. That if you believe in him, if you surrender your life to him, turn over the keys of your life to him, that you won't perish that you'll have eternal life. He'll come into your life, forgive your sins, give you a relationship with God. If you're sitting here saying, Wes, that is what I want, then tell him. 
right there in the silence of your heart, just tell him. In fact, let me invite you to pray this prayer after me, not out loud, in your heart. I mean, the words is your own. It's not magic. Man, just mean these words. Let me give you some help. Just quietly, just silently, just say, Dear Jesus, I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. I know it. I know I can't save myself. I believe you died for me. You have life to give me. I can have you as my Father. I want that. I want you. So I turn from my sin. I repent. I don't want that anymore. I turn to you. Come into my life. Save me. I'm all yours. I'm all yours. Heads bowed, eyes closed, no one looking around. But if you just prayed that prayer and you meant it, I want to remember you in your closing prayer. So I'm going to ask you to just raise your hand so I can, until I see it. So I can say, man, yep, I see it. I'm going to pray for you. If that's you, just raise your hand up and say, Wes, I just prayed it. I meant it. God spoke to me. Here's my hand, man. Pray for me. I'm in. Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for your truth. And I pray that we would go out of here encouraged, inspired, knowing that you are our Father and that you want us to be with you and that you're stronger and greater than anything and everything. Thank you, Christ. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Vintage Church at Buffalo podcast. To connect with us and to get more encouraging biblical content, go to vcb.church.